on the Talkback Show, on the radio, or whatever audiovisual device you choose to use. Welcome to the GBC Podcast, where we talk about the Packers and our hometown of Green Bay. This is episode 51, created on September 4th, 2023, and it is the first episode of our third season. I'm John. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin, along with me, Jeff in Minnesota, and Neil on the East Coast. Say hello, gentlemen, and tell us what you're drinking. So we've got a young team this year, and so I am going to have a beer that fits that. I'm having the Aslan Brewing Company IPA Baby Shark. And uh, as a follow-up, what I'm drinking today, as a follow-up from last week's episode, and being that I was back in Green Bay this weekend, I was up in Door County and Uh went, went to the Hatch Distilling Company and picked up their fellowship bourbon in beautiful egg harbor wisconsin excellent it's called hatch because it's in egg harbor got it and i made a mudslide tonight with bailey's kalua and tito's i think everybody likes tito's vodka just because it's fun to say tito's all right you can find us on youtube and twitter at green bay chat and facebook at the gbc podcast green bay chat and the audio is available on spotify by searching for green bay chat well where are we We are ready to start the 2023 season, so we're going to give you a big preview of not only what we think about this Green Bay Packers team for this season and strengths and weaknesses, we'll take a look at uh, how we think they'll fare against the NFC North. We'll look at our week-by-week breakdown of the Packers schedule and the entire NFL. We'll even go out on a limb and give you playoff teams and playoff scenarios. And, oh, don't forget, it's Bears week. We've got the Chicago Bears. Coming up on Sunday in Chicago, we will talk about that week one matchup along with a history lesson on season opening games, but lots of stuff to talk about, you guys. Let's hit right into it. Neil, I know you are ready to go for this season. You are you you even said it is a fun young team. The youth, you know, the athleticism, the speed is what was intentional. The youth was unintentional, but it's what we get. And it could be a strength, it could be a weakness. What do you like about this team, Neil? Let's start right out with our offense and what is going to be the core of our offense this year. We've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla. We've got that running back tandem, that tandem that Matt LaFleur has wanted to be able to use as a starting point for the offense. Maybe has not been able to do it entirely with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, but now he's got the excuse that, yes, he can do that running first offense if he so desires. We've got Aaron Jones, who's been at the top of his game. Quadzilla, who is in a contract year. Those are players who should be playing at their very best. They're playing behind a line that is good, a line that is experienced, a line that is deep. And so we should be expecting a lot out of our running game as far as helping Jordan Love become a good quarterback in his first year. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, bringing up Jordan Love. That's got to be the starting point for any discussion from the offensive perspective is that we expect our running back tandem to be dominant this year, not just to be good, but to be a dominant running back tandem in the NFL. Much like last year, Philadelphia was able to use their running game to push a run all the way to the Super Bowl. We've got a pair of running back that should also set us up well for having a good season for something that potentially could be a very good season. Beyond that, going to the defensive side, our front five is really spectacular with Preston Smith, Wyatt, Slayton, Clark, and Rashawn Gary coming back after not being around last year. And they're backed up by some really great young studs with Wooden, Enigbari, Lucas Van Ness, 
and Carl Brooks. So I'm really excited about our front five on defense. I'm really excited about our running backs. And then we've got youth that is going to improve. And I think that this is also one of the themes of this season is not just that it's a young team, but it's a team that is going to get better because they had experience last year for many of them. Seeing them make that next step is going to be a major part of it. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, obviously we're expecting big years out of all three of those players. And the excitement of watching their growth is going to be one of the really exciting elements of this year. It all starts up front. And you mentioned that there, Neil, the, 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 those front five on both sides of the line is really what is going to take this team. It's nice to have skill players. It's nice to watch the finesse and the precision. But if you don't have the blocking up front on the offensive side, and on the defensive side, you've got to have that that push, and it makes the guys on the rest of the field look good. And I think that is going to be a big strength of this team. I'm concerned about how the center position is going to work out, but I think it'll make its way through the season. But Green Bay definitely with the strength up front, and I think you're absolutely right about this running game. It is going to be, and I think we've been saying this for 30 years, let's commit to the running game. And it'll be nice to finally actually see a coach who wants to commit to the running game commit to the running game because he's got the running backs and he has to build confidence in his young quarterback in Jordan Love. A new era. We, we've seen the, the Love era kind of begin, but this is, I think, truly the beginning of the Jordan Love era. This is it. He, he is the season opener starter, and it is the third time in 30-some years that we're getting a new quarterback. And boy, wouldn't it be great to get a good 10 years out of him and have a great team and say, you know, we just are going to defy the odds here on how we do quarterback play in Green Bay. And I think that's possible. Certainly looking at that. Jeff, you're excited for Jordan Love. You even went and bought the jersey. I did. Yes, that was a productive trip to Green Bay. Went to the Packer Pro Shop. Now I got the jersey. But of course, I did pick up the Bible uh, as well. New media guy. I saw a factoid on ESPN since 1950. The most TD passes by a QB in their fourth career season after starting one or fewer games in their first three season is 28. Aaron Rodgers. That works. So, you know, can lightning strike a third time? That's, that's what I'm hoping for. But again, I, I totally agree with you, Neil, on the, the offensive line. I, the preseason set up really well. Like I said, one sack in three preseason games. I mean, that's pretty incredible. The running game, I think, is, you know, use the run to open up the pass. Defensive line is also a, a great strength. That's what's going to anchor the team. And hopefully with some of those the second-year players, that kind of that taste of losing – Hopefully they're going to be like, yeah, we're not going to do that again. They're going to be hungry and they're going to, they're going to tell the rookies like, you don't want to lose this, you know, winning is great. This is what it feels like. And hopefully they can really, really charge the team. And, and again, yeah, the youth is great. The speed is great. And, and I think on the defensive side, we look at, I think Kenny Clark is really going to an anchor that defense, literally. He's <laughs> going to put an anchor in the ground and he's going to uh, make sure that nobody moves past them. And with the help up on the line, there's some, some excellent speed on the outside rushers. But that is going to help the defensive backfield. I think we'll talk about weaknesses. I think safety is a weak spot, but our cornerbacks are strong. And we have Jair Alexander, who is one of the best in the league. And when everything starts up front, when you're putting pressure on the quarterback, when you're forcing plays to happen, we're going to see the cornerback play really step up. Rosewell Douglas maybe regressed a little bit last year. I think he's ready to, to jump up. Kishon Nixon showed that he's ready to be an every down player as well. We're really looking forward to Eric Stokes coming back in there as well. And we got a great young rookie in Valentine coming in and ready to play. So the, the defensive backfield is going to benefit from that strength, that power, and that speed up front that's going to force 
opposing offenses to do a lot of things they don't want to do. All right. So the other strength that we have is what we have been talking about now for weeks and that we've got the youngest team in the NFL by a fair margin. And so that youth is something that is obviously there's a contributor to that as far as speed. There's also a contribution from that youth as far as just having that greater durability. The youth is a strength because that's an advantage. We're going to have other teams. You have short weeks or anything like that. A younger team is going to be an advantage in that area. Of course, youth has growing pains and the youth is also one of the biggest question marks of the season. When you look at what are the variables that are going to determine whether this is a great season, a good season, an okay season or poor season, that youth is going to play very centrally in how good this season ends up being. And we just don't know. I think that's the biggest thing. You don't know what that youth is going to do. There are going to be mistakes. There are going to be problems with inconsistencies that are going to occur because of youth, especially thinking about the offense and now the youth of Jordan Love. There is certainly going to be some inconsistency in the offense. And we saw some of that in the preseason that plays aren't always going to click. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes you're going to have drive stop just because they don't have all of their uh, elements that are working together at the same time. And so that is going to be one element that is certainly a question mark. Going back to Jeff talking about Carrington Valentine, the question is what Carrington Valentine will show up on any given play. And we're going to do well if the great Carrington Valentine shows up a lot and the, uh, questionable plays Carrington Valentine is a lot less frequent but I think that we are going to have growing pains with all of those young players and we just may have to make sure that we have the patience through those growing pains for these players because we can certainly see the potential in these youth players but we need to see it play out I agree with you Neil I'm going back to coaching on this as well right how well is Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff able to get these newbies these rookies these these rather inexperienced players to play as a team to get everybody on the same page. And it's a fascinating experiment, right? I mean, it's a young team, but it's, it's a talented team. It's a good team. There are solid veterans at some really key positions that they will provide leadership, but overall for the coaching staff, how do they mold this group? And I, it's super exciting. And you're right. There's going to be growing pains. But I'd, I'd like to think at the end of the day, there's really going to be some improvement. You kind of get this. They don't know what they don't know. I mean, if you look at how many NFL snaps have been lost um, by the players leaving, I mean, it's pretty incredible that there's not a lot of experience here, NFL play experience. But you know what? They've, they've got football experience and hopefully that their you know, instincts and their talent will will be great and, and will help the team. Jeff, you alluded to it in your statistic. And that harkens to the 2008 season of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that we saw the growing pains there. And I think that we're going to see the same thing here. I think the strength, as mentioned in that offensive line in that running game, is going to allow the youth of the quarterback and the receivers and the tight ends that time to work that precision. Is every play going to be perfect this season? No. But we're going to have a running game, a strong running game to rely on to allow that growth to happen. So, yeah, is there some question marks on that offensive side because of that the precision is going to take time for it to happen yes but i think we are in a good spot 
uh, with the other strengths on the offense to allow that precision to come around this season. One other concern with youth, of course, is that youth is inherently more emotional. It's going to be a lot more passionate as far as things working and things not working. And, you know, we saw some of that with Quay Walker last year, for example. And the one thing that you worry about as far as the overall schedule is concerned is, well, we've got a couple of really tough stretches. And when the team's doing really well, team's going to be really excited, but you go through a stretch where you lose a couple games in a row. That's where that coaching leadership is going to really come into play. Another question, Mark, and uh, we like to pick on them, the asshats, right? I mean, the kicking game. We're not, we've got a rookie kicker, right? Two of them, two of them. Yeah, well, well, yeah, as well. Hunter yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's our favorite asshats. You know, I'm sure they'll be, we'll be screaming and yelling on more than one occasion. Huge question mark there as well. Again, growing pains, probably, but hopefully those growing pains, at least in the kicking game, are not going to cost us a win. But it's not just the kicking portion, right? There's punt covers, there's kickoff coverage, and all of those plays. We saw a ton of penalties on special teams in the preseason. Yeah. And You've got younger players. They don't know their assignments. They don't know their job as well. That is when you're going to be more likely to get those errors that cost you. So you have to redo a punt, go five yards back, go 10 yards back. And all of a sudden, instead of stopping them inside the 20, they return it out to the 40, 45 yard line or worse. Those growing pains and the youth is not just going to affect the actual special team specialist, but everyone who's playing on those special teams. Yeah, and God forbid there's a holding penalty or something if there's a kickoff return or something like that that actually wipes out points. So stay tuned. That that, that one's going to be – I think we're going we're gonna to see some penalties and we're going to see some issues, but hopefully, again, they'll, they'll get that cleaned up. And if we can have a couple returns for touchdowns. I mean, the second half of last season, oh, my goodness, what a turnaround for this, this unit and, you know, hopefully continued success there as well. Right. I mean, we did talk about general manager Rich Bisacci and all of his yeah. signings over the <laughs> yeah. offseason. And that's that's the hope is that they were essentially working through a lot of those growing pains in the preseason. Yeah, I trust Bisaccia here to straighten out the, the special teams. Um, like you said, Jeff, what we saw in the second half of last season, I think that keeping a, a couple of key players in there, certainly in, in Dallin Levitt still staying on the team. And just that, that carryover, I think, on that side of the ball and, and getting the assignments better understood, I think that we're going to see better success or faster success on that special teams. But you're right. The one thing you can't control is that accuracy. If we're worried about a field goal or an extra point. I think that could linger all season. But again, with, with a young kicker, it, it does take time to get that straightened out as well. Yeah, I'm actually more concerned about the extra points. I mean, as we, we talked about, you know, he's got a really strong leg. It's just that is he going to be able to to get those extra points? Because that can that can really swing things. Jeff, the solution there is we're just going to go for two. All right, we will we will make it happen on the extra point. Uh, Neil, you have some more on the defense. We've talked about our secondary. Uh, we talked about the strengths of the secondary. Certainly, our biggest weakness that everyone has identified is the safety position. So I'm wearing Darnell Savage. And Darnell Savage is at a fundamental level a key to the season. If Darnell Savage goes back to playing as he did early in his Packers career, he he is in a contract year, so he certainly has plenty of incentive to do so. He goes back to playing like Darnell Savage did earlier in his career. Then we've got really no major holes on our defense. You know, we've got Ford. We've got other people that, you know, are all going to move in as far as the safety position, including probably Stokes moving into that as well. But this is clearly our biggest weakness. And while safeties are critical for run coverage and they're critical for pass coverage, right? They are central as far as doing that. And we don't want to have a unit that every team is going to look at and say, that is where we're going to exploit as far as beating the Packers. 
key to the safety play, Neil, in the middle of the field, middle linebackers. Uh, we've got Devondre Campbell returning. You mentioned Quay Walker. We need to see some growth from him. What else do you like about the middle of the field there? Well, so Quay Walker grows and you know shows some of the big playability that he had last year, some of that speed that he had last year, and does it consistently without stupid penalties, without missing assignments, without missing tackles. That could be a real strength. Devondre Campbell plays like he has the last couple of years. That could be a strength of the defense as well. But Devondre Campbell is 30 years old, and I don't think we have adequate backup for Devondre Campbell. What if Quay Walker regresses in his second year or just stays at the same level in his second year? That middle of the defense is also a question mark. And again, I'm calling a question mark, not a weakness, because it absolutely could be a strength of the team. We just don't know what is going to happen with those middle linebackers. And we're hoping they stay at the same level or improve, but you could easily see it moving in the other direction as well. And that's going to be one of the stories of the season. Well, I think from a maturity standpoint, Quay Walker, at least he seemed truly um, after those really dumb penalties and getting thrown out of two games. I mean, that was, I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, I really like to think that, that that was an anomaly and it's, and he's going to grow from that and he's going to instead use that passion into his game and not do stupid things on the sidelines. Okay, so that moves us on to concerns. You know, what are the potential events that could happen this year that could change the trajectory of the season one direction or the other? And I think the most obvious one is Jordan Love and an injury to Jordan Love. Even though he's a new quarterback and we haven't even talked about, you know, all of our excitement for all the things that Jordan Love can do. We've talked about that the last couple episodes, but a Jordan Love injury is going to set this team back substantially he is showing signs of somebody who has learned a lot during his three years under Aaron Rodgers and without that level of experience we're going to suffer as far as the team is concerned Sean Clifford looked great for spurts in the preseason but that was always against second or third defenses he looks like a quarterback that's going to be a lot of fun on a 5 and 12 team and I hope we don't see him play this year for any extended period of time because I don't want a fun quarterback on a 5 and 12 team I want a good quarterback a maturing quarterback, somebody who is establishing himself as a quarterback in the league. So Jordan Love injury to me is concern number one for this season. Concern number two is related to a player that we've not always had in recent seasons, and that's the role of David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari is our oldest player, but he's also, I think, still our best offensive lineman and plays that critical left tackle position. Now, Elton Jenkins is in that same ballpark and uh, hopefully we don't have to move him around, but Bakhtiari is a key, right? He is an absolute stud on the offensive line and losing Bakhtiari is definitely going to impact the trajectory of our season, both for pass blocking and for run blocking. Now I did say I was excited about the depth on our offensive line. I, you know, going through and looking at other teams and what other teams have for weaknesses. There are a lot of teams where offensive line depth is actually the problem for those teams. And I would say with Walker Nyman, Newman, and Ryan, I think we've got four extremely capable backup offensive linemen, and uh, especially with Rashid Walker and how well he played during the preseason. But I think that you know we've got players that have started in the past who are now backups in our offensive line, and so we're better positioned than most teams to have a couple games or more lost because of injury. But I would still say that we don't want to lose David Bakhtiari for an extended period because that will impact our year. So with that said, we know what we're looking at at our team, but let's take a look at our direct competition, the NFC North in general. And if we're going to break it down, I'm going to just simply say strength, Detroit Lions, weakness, Chicago Bears, question mark, Minnesota Vikings. And Jeff, 
you're close to that question mark, Minnesota Vikings. What do you see on that team this year? Uh, hope springs eternal always for the Minnesota <laughs> Vikings fan. As we talked about last episode, they were once again over in the preseason, continuing a trend. But there's no way this team is going to do what they did last year. They were a team of destiny last year. They really were. They won all the close games. They completed that historic comeback against Indianapolis when, you know, just that was crazy. You just, that was like, you can't believe like this is the team of destiny until they weren't right. Until Mm -hmm. like it all came crashing down and that's not going to happen. That can't happen this year. Just statistically, there's no way that this Minnesota Vikings team is going to have that many wins. They just, there were too many things that like improbable, weird, goofy things that happened. So what does that mean? they've got they've got weaknesses you know as we talked about strengths of the offensive defensive lines for the Packers that's not the case with the Vikings now you've got you know Kirk Cousins quarterback solid middle of the pack quarterback they've got their all pro Justin Jefferson in a great receiving core but Dalvin Cook is gone so now you've got question marks at the running back position so is this a pass, you know, first team and pass only team? Well, Justin Jefferson's really good, but you know what? If Kirk Cousins is on his back a lot of the time or, or if he gets hurt because he was one of the, the most hit quarterbacks in the league last year, he took a ton of abuse back there. And so that's probably going to continue. And another question mark for the Vikings is their just their defense in general, right? Their cornerbacks, their defensive line. So if the Vikings have to play high scoring games, if they have to play a lot of catch up as they did a lot last year, they were able to pull those games out out of their ass most of the time, but they were still able to do it. I don't see that happening at all this year. They're going to be maybe, you know, a, a, an eight, nine team, nine and eight team somewhere in that. Going into the numerical details of what you were just referring to, Minnesota was 13 and four last year with a negative three point differential. Negative three, that was actually third place in the division. The Packers were negative one, so the Packers were second for point differential. They had a Pythagorean number of wins of 8.4 last year in the regular season. That is, they should have been an eight and nine team or maybe a nine and eight team based on the relative scoring. They were nine and zero in games decided by seven points or fewer in the regular season zero and one in the postseason, obviously against the giants. And I I always like bill Barnwell's column on teams that are most likely to regress. Those that are most likely to improve. And it all comes down to, you know, are they doing things that are sustainable or unsustainable and records in one score game, seven points or fewer is one of the most unsustainable things. Teams don't do that every year where they are better than average in one score games. That nine and zero is exactly what is going to go to a five and four, four and five, most likely in the upcoming season. But the other thing about that Minnesota team is that it was so much of it was what they did in the fourth quarter. And so in quarters one through three, their offensive efficiency was at the same level as the Rams or the Broncos last year. But in the last quarter, they were the best team in the NFL in the entire last decade as far as offensive efficiency. 
again, not something that is likely to be very sustainable. Now, they did get rid of a lot of older players, so they are going to be younger. I actually think that getting rid of Dalvin Cook was probably a reasonable move for them. And some of the other older players in the secondary was also a reasonable move to get rid of ineffective older players. But it's not like they brought anyone in in the process. And so they're going to have younger players that are going to be trying to replicate what the older players were doing. And whether or not they have success in that realm is an entirely open question. Neil, you're right. Statistically, there's no way they're going to follow up. Now they're drafts, so they've got a stud wide receiver, obviously, in Justin Jefferson. So what do they do? They go and they draft another receiver in the first round. Maybe he's good, maybe he's not, but Justin Jefferson is the alpha. He is your stud receiver for fantasy, for everything else. So how does that rookie how does that rookie wide receiver fit into this with, with Justin Jefferson? I mean, you know, maybe Justin says, Oh, sure, you can have 20% of the reps. Or No, that's not going to happen. I mean, Justin Jefferson, he wants the ball. He's going to get the damn ball. He should get the ball. He's the face of the franchise around here. You know, you, you don't see Kirk Cousins. Um, you see Justin Jefferson. He is the face of the franchise. So drafting a, another a, a wide receiver in the first round, kind of a head scratcher. And I don't think he's going to a lot of success just because, one, he's a rookie, and two, Justin Jefferson wants the damn ball. Uh, on the other hand, they got rid of Adam Thielen, and that was certainly a good thing because he was a decrepit pile of bones at this point. So going to a younger receiver that might take a little bit of pressure off of Jefferson, I actually see that as one of the potential positives for Minnesota's season. But uh, as you'll find out later, I do not have a lot of potential positives in this well, season. Well, and then Mr. Hawkinson set the record for, for the highest tight end. So Mr. Hawkinson is not Mr. Kelsey. I'm sorry. I mean, he, he has lots of potential. He's seen, he's played well. We'll, we'll see what happens, but that that's one where you've got two very solid receivers, tight end wide receiver. So Kirk's got to get the ball to somebody. His preference is going to be to those two guys first. And taking a look at the draft as well, the Detroit lions, we knew they were going to have a lot of draft capital. Neil, they picked up a few more guys who want to eat some kneecaps, I think is, as the <laughs> saying goes, right? What, what are they doing in Detroit? <laughs> Well, I think what they didn't do in Detroit is perhaps more interesting. You look at where their strengths and weaknesses were. You look at the positions where players are going to make the biggest difference. And you look at the positions that are certainly less valued, positions where you can easily pick up somebody in free agency. They had plenty of free agency money. So you think, well, free agency, you can pick up a cheap running back. You could pick up a cheap linebacker. What did the Lions do? 12th pick in the draft. They picked a running back. 18th pick in the draft. They picked a middle linebacker. So uh, I, there, there's certainly a lot of head scratching around Detroit strategy as far as this year's draft is concerned. These are the Lions, though, Neil. I mean, come on. For, for decades, <laughs> they've been snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Are these the same old Lions? Are these a win? Is this a winning team? Boy, I, I'm still not. I, I don't see it. I, I just I think they're going to be sort of in the middle of the pack again. I think their their offense is fantastic, right? I mean, they're they're going to light everybody up, but then the defense, well, like you said, you know, who do they draft? How do they add capital? How do they add, you know, really really important impactful players? Well, they really didn't, did they? Right. And then you look at their first round pick from last year, Jamison Williams. He's suspended for the first six games of the year because of gambling because, you know, decide I'll gamble on team facilities. What difference does it make? So, what? um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like the Lions being the Lions. It's 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 going to be very comforting to see them revert. They're going to be great in some instances, but again, are they going to sustain this? Are they going to be able to, to sustain it? 
And so, you know, as we get to our picks here, you know, we'll, we'll see if we've got uh, maybe a Detroit surprise here. Were they really that great last year? They started out terrible and they came back and, you know, everyone has, there's, there's recency bias as far as how teams are doing. They were really good at the end of the regular season last year, other than their stinker in Carolina, but they still were only a nine and eight team last year. We talked about the Packers and and the Vikings, as far as their point differential, the Lions were only plus 26 for point differential. It's not like they were destroying everyone in the league this year. And, you know, yes, they were better than the Bears at negative 137. So <laughs> they got that going for them. But by Woo! the same token, they, they had major weaknesses on the defensive side. And they had opportunities via free agency or the draft to try to help fill in those weaknesses to, to make those weaknesses less of a problem for their team. And they didn't do anywhere near as much as you might've thought they were going to do, or at least if you're a Lions fan, what you would have hoped that they would have done as a Packers fan. I'm ecstatic with what the Lions did in the off season. This is just great. They have weaknesses and they have strengths, but their strengths even sort of have a element that is appears to be an emperor's new clothes and that they were fourth in total yards in offense in the NFL last year, fourth. That's really good. That points to, you know, this sort of moving the ball back and forth. But you look at Jared Goff, only 29 touchdowns and 23 of those were at home. Goff, by pro football focus rankings, was only the 16th best quarterback in the NFL last year. That puts him slightly ahead of where Rodgers was. So, you know, were they really that truly dominant in offense? I, I don't know that I see that from the statistics other than, yes, they scored a lot of points. Yes, they had a lot of yards, but did they have that play that was at a different level? And fundamentally, Goff, is he going to continue to play at a level that is going to match the expectations that Lions fans have? And then going on to the other side of the ball, the Lions were 32nd in yards in the NFL in defense last year. 32nd. Yes, they made some improvements, but 32nd is really bad. And I don't see how you go from that to a team that is going to be competitive in the FC as far as not just making the playoffs, but actually making some noise in the playoffs. And you can easily see where regression is going to come into play with these Detroit Lions. No, agreed, because a lot of their games just turned into track meets, right? It was like who had the ball last was going to win because their defense couldn't hold anybody. Yes, their offense was talented, but like you said, Jared Goff was was a pretty, you know, normal quarterback, middle of the pack kind of guy. It's just they they were able to score sort of at will at, at some points in the game. I'd, I'd be curious, you know, obviously the Vikings were so dominant in the fourth quarter. I'm guessing that the Lions had some dominant quarters as well, but then they their defense just completely let them down. And so that's why they were, you know, ultimately a, a middle of the pack team. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels between what the Lions did and what the Vikings did last year. So I said the Lions were fourth in yards. The Vikings were seventh in yards. They're basically the same. Lions were 32nd in defense in yards allowed. The Vikings were 31st. These were the two <laughs> worst defenses in the NFL by yards allowed. And by the way, the Bears were 29th in yards allowed. So we have three of the worst defenses in the NFL for those other three teams in the NFC North. And the only difference between the Lions, Vikings, and Bears Oh my, oh my. Is, that the, is that the bears were also bad at offense being 28th in yards on offense and 32nd in passing yards and offense. The Vikings and lions had the ability to move the ball on offense, but all of them had bad defenses. And I don't see enough has changed. That makes me think that we should see these teams as 10 win, 11 win, 12 win teams. Certainly not with the amount of buzz the lions are getting in this preseason. Well, the, I didn't realize that their defenses were that like, statistically horrifically bad i mean wow that's pretty amazing and then so you look at the packer defense right you've got these high first round picks you've got a lot of buzz 
so segue into our uh, our our picks here. Is this is this where we're going? Can we, uh, you know, lots of optimism both on the offense and defense defensive sides of the ball for the Packers. And since it is Bears week, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about the Bears coming up here. But first, let's look at the entire schedule. We've kind of talked in general about the strengths of the Packers, what we think of the NFC North. But let's break this down week to week and kind of go through these games here. It is Bears week. And uh, we'll just kind of look at the schedule. Jeff, you want to go first on these and tell us uh, what you like in each game, win or loss? I'll just remove all of the uh, pretense here. I've got the Packers winning the division. Okay. I've got an overall record of 10 and seven, you know, living in Minnesota, hope springs eternal, you know, (laughs) no, seriously, 10 and seven. And I've got a win at Chicago week one. I also have a win in week one. You know, it's one of those things we talked about this last year. It's that, that fool me once shame on you fool me twice. Shame on me. It is a different team though. It's a different season. We're not treating week one, like, the preseason this year the preseason was the preseason and you know the bears just stink so yes put me down for a green bay win in week one as well jeff uh week two we stay on the road at atlanta so this one i struggled with and i i'm gonna i'm gonna blame this on neil so i had a win initially and neil was like oh they're they're down atlanta was loss we've got three road games early on uh, after the bears i see any one of them potentially being a win or a loss but i think that a dome against a decent atlanta team on the road early in jordan love is going to be a loss all right and so this will be our first disagreement and yes i do see atlanta maybe a little bit better than last year uh, but i don't know that they're going to be as ready to start the season a jekyll and hyde team in atlanta we'll see the hyde team this week so i'm giving green bay a win in week two Brings us to the home opener, September 24th. The New Orleans Saints come to town. Jeff, what do you like? It's got to be a home opener win, right? This team is going to be, you've got young players. It's fall at Lambeau. It's everything you absolutely want. The players are going to be jacked. It's got to be a win. It's a good Saints team, I think. But you know what? It's got to be a win for the home opener. Same. I agree with you. All of those things have to fall into place. I don't think the romance is there. And I think we're going to see a lot of the Lambeau mystique disappear. I think the New Orleans defense is too strong. And I'm taking a loss in week three. Four days later, the Detroit Lions come into town. So it is back-to-back games on a short week. We talked about how that could be a strength to the youth of this team. Thursday night, the 28th, and the Lions in Green Bay, Jeff. I've got a loss simply because it's a short week. Again, this is where I kind of waffle back and forth, right? I'm like, okay, I don't want a, a, a whole string of wins here. But you know what? This is going to be tough. On four days, prep for the Lions. I think it's going to be a track meet. And this is where the asshats might rear their ugly head on a missed extra point or a missed field goal. I've got a loss on that Thursday night game. It's a short week for both teams. One of the teams has to travel. I've got it as a win. I think we're having a hard time getting over the hump. I think that the two teams between Detroit and Green Bay, they are two teams on the rise. I think that Dan Campbell, though, is going to have his team a little bit more prepared and ready to go. I think that they're a year ahead of us in that growth as well. Uh, I'm taking Detroit on the short week there. So before we head into the bye week, then week five, Green Bay in that big game in Las Vegas, the game everybody wanted to go to this year, the game where the tickets are way overpriced. Airline packages are way overpriced. Hotel packages are way overpriced. 
how's the game going to end up, Jeff? This will be a, a lot of these uh, players' first Monday night game, right? This big, big Monday night game, all eyes on the team. They're going to show off. They want to win. If they've got a couple losses under their belt, they want to get back above 500, and this is going to be a win. Yeah, I've got the uh, long week not helping the Packers out substantially. I think this is where the moment potentially could make youth stumble a little bit. I've got a loss here. It is a Monday night matchup, and, you know, the Raiders just stink. I'm taking the Packers with a victory there. A bye week after that, and then it is our big trip to Denver. We are heading off to see the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers. How is that game going to wind up? What Denver team is going to show up this year, right? Is what Russell Wilson going to be Seattle Russell Wilson, or is he going to be Denver Russell Wilson? I've got a Packer win on the road on the national CBS game. Yeah, I just think Denver is going to prove Sean Payton is a better coach than the debacle that they had last year. They don't need Russell Wilson to be Seattle Russell Wilson. They've got a strong defense. It's a tough place to play always because of the elevation. I've got this as another loss. But they are coming off of a bye week. So yeah, that, you, that was the that was the one thing that made me question that pick, but I'm going to still stick with the loss here. I think as far as the AFC West goes, the Raiders and the Broncos are going to be battling for the basement. I think the Broncos stink as well. And I'm giving Green Bay the victory in the Mile High City in that one. Brings us back home. The end of October, it'll be the Halloween weekend game. And the Minnesota Vikings come here to Green Bay. What is going to happen in that matchup? I've got a win here back at home after almost a month break either on the road or with the bye week again the players are going to be excited to play you've got a division rival sadly this is a noon game a lot of the rest of the country isn't going to see it however this again could be a vikings team kind of on their heels a little bit and i would really like to see the packers pounce here and get a win minnesota is going to be coming off a monday night football game against san francisco the week before so minnesota is on a short week where they're likely going to be beat up i think this is a packers victory I was thinking the same thing, Neil. I think that yeah, Minnesota is not going to be ready for this matchup. And I like Green Bay at home in that game. Another home game right away after that, the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams not happy to have to play in Green Bay in November or December again. November is not terrible, but the Rams sure are. Jeff, what do you like about that game? I've got another W here. So this is stringing three wins coming out of the bye week. Again, Los Angeles, who knows? Cooper Cup might be on the shelf. He's got hamstring issues. He's in Minnesota, actually, right now getting checked out. So Los Angeles, you know, Matthew Stafford, he won his Super Bowl. The magic is gone. I think the Rams, they're, they're going to be playing the tank. And I've got a, another Packer back-to-back -back home win. Same. A man of few words. I like it. So I'm also taking a win there. Jeff, you and I both have a four-game winning streak going into this right now. And now they're back on the road. One of the games we looked at, in going to for a road game now at Pittsburgh in November. Does the winning streak continue for you, Jeff? No. Is the Kenny Pickett legacy, is he is he going to settle in? Is he going to be good? You just, you can't count out the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is going to be a tough physical game. I've got a loss here. I'm. This could be interesting. This could come down to coaching. And Mike Tomlin is, is good. And it's November in Pittsburgh. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a low scoring game, probably a tough defensive battle. And I've got a, a loss here. So I will actually be at this game, but yes, Mike Tomlin now is at 16 consecutive years without a losing season. I see this as a tough position for a team that has had a couple of good games at home, but I see this as a loss. 
Yep, same here. I think that this is a game that is going to exploit the Green Bay defense, and it's going to be the start of a, a tough stretch as well. Like I said, a, a four-game winning streak that I just showed, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I think there's a four-game losing streak coming here, up here as well with that starting at Pittsburgh. So that means the Los Angeles Chargers then come into Green Bay, Jeff, with uh, Justin Herbert at quarterback. How are they going to do? Here's my kind of wild card. Okay, so you've got a November 19th game. If the weather's lousy, it's going to be to the advantage of the Packers because that'll that'll uh, shut down Justin, and I don't think the running game is as strong as the Packers. So if the, it's rainy, snowy, lousy, advantage Packers. But I've got a loss here as well, so I've got a two-game losing streak here started. I, I hope not. I think the weather's going to dictate who wins this game, though. I just think the Clippers are too good, right? I think they're going to be one of the three best teams in a really, really good AFC. And I just see this as a tough position for the Packers because this is going to be a team that's on the roll. Same here. Uh, again, as Pittsburgh, I think, is going to expose the defense. The Chargers will do the same. And then I think the Charger defense is going to expose the Packer offensive weaknesses as well. That's going to be a tough matchup or a tough loss at home after a strong first half of the season taking the loss against the Chargers. That then puts us back on the road, and it is Thanksgiving Day in Detroit, a short week heading into the early matchup with the Detroit Lions, Jeff. I agonized over this one. I had an L, I had a W, I had an L, a W. Do you want to put a T in there? I can put you down no, for a T. No, tie, although okay. that wouldn't be unheard of. I've got a W. Here's why. Again, with this young team, this is the national stage, right? This is the early Thanksgiving Day game. All eyes of America and the world are on this game. Matt LaFleur is going to have them not only ready to play. It is a short week. Again, here, later in the season, this is, I think, where the youth is really going to step up. This is where the advantage is going to kick in, right? Detroit, they may be back on their heels a little bit. Packers come in, got a two-game losing streak. Maybe, yeah, okay, what kind of team do we have here? Packers are going to be like, all right, enough of this shit. We're going to win this game on a national stage. Happy Thanksgiving. And get the turducken or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, short week. I'm going to go with the home team almost always. And just as I chose the Packers over Detroit in the short week early in the season, I'm choosing Detroit over the Packers in the short week later in the season. Same reasoning here. Same reasoning in this week for me anyway. I just think Detroit is ahead of Green Bay at this time, and that's the way it's going to be. I see a loss on Thanksgiving Day. Then back home and a big matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs to kick off the month of December, Jeff. Both of these are cold weather teams, so we know that, right? So no advantage there. The Kansas City Chiefs have this, have this guy named Patrick Mahomes, right? He's pretty good. National stage, right? It's the big Sunday night game. I think Fran BC, they're like, they're really hoping the Packers don't suck this year. The Chiefs, you know, maybe Super Bowl bound, foreshadowing. But man, it's Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. It's a Super Bowl potentially bound team. What are the Packers going to do? I think it's going to be a valiant fight. And this is, of course, the one start where Jordan Love did have against Kansas City. And they did play valiantly in the COVID-less Aaron Rodgers Packers. But you know what? I think it's going to be a loss. Kansas City is just a much better team than we are. I don't care that it's Lambeau in December. Kansas City doesn't care about December weather like a Los Angeles does. I think Kansas City wins this game fairly easily. Yeah, and, and again, I think this is a season where that Lambeau mystique is going to be gone. Fans are going to be disappointed in, in a home December matchup here, and I'm taking the loss against Kansas City. Month of December continues. They go on the road, heading to the East Coast, the New York Giants. So we get another Monday night game, right? Second Monday night game here. I've got a win. 
at the Giants. I think the Giants are probably going to regress a little bit, maybe a little revenge from the debacle in London last year, right? That cluster that we that we witnessed. So I've got a win here at the Giants on Monday night. I think the Giants are going to regress a lot. And I think the Packers on a four-game losing streak, by my prediction, are going to want to punch some team in the jaw and the Giants are going to be the victims of that. Yep, I've got a streaky season as well. It, it was a four-game winning streak, a four-game losing streak, and that ends in New York. Packers taking a win. I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they want the same thing that happened last year with the Giants. I think they're coming back, uh, especially on a Monday night game, to show uh, that this is a team that can take care of, of that New York team. So let's go with a win there. But then back home in December and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Tom Brady and without a lot of things. What's going to happen there, Jeff? Yeah, Tampa Bay is going to be playing for the first round draft choice, I think, next. In, in So you've got Tampa Bay in Green Bay in December, right? I mean, so, you, so first of all, you know, will it will it be the, the Blizzard game? You know, who knows? I've got to win here. It's just it's too yeah. much for I think I think Tampa Bay is going to stink this is an easy victory from my view yep. yep same here agreed uh Tampa is not going to be ready for this season so that keeps us in the NFC South but on the road at Carolina a team with again some draft capital a young quarterback and perhaps a team on the rise here Jeff how is Carolina going to look <laughs> I don't know how Carolina is going to look I had a two-game winning streak with uh, the Giants and the Bucks Christmas Eve I've got a Packer loss here on the road Although, you know, if Carolina just, if, if their rookie quarterback is not doing well, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have a quarterback controversy. If this point in the season, if the Packers are serious about getting into the playoffs and if their defense steps up, this could easily be a win. I've got a loss, but a, a not confident loss. Yeah, I'm going to take the positive side of that. I don't think Carolina is going to be very good. I think there are going to be a lot of growing pains with Bryce Young. And I think the Packers are going to see the possibility of getting into the playoffs, and that's going to propel them to a victory. I, I do like Carolina being a better team this year, but the length of the season, you're right, uh, is going to toll on the rookie quarterback. And I, I really see this as a swing game for Green Bay to say we need to get into the playoffs, and this is a game uh, that we need to do it on. I'm taking a victory in Carolina. That means that we are back. Jeff, you don't want to spend New Year's Eve in Minneapolis. That's okay. The Packers are going to be there anyway. Uh, what happens New Year's Eve, Green Bay at Minnesota? Well, this is the Sunday night game, right? So we've got another big national game, national stage. Now, depending on how these teams do, this might be flexed out. <laughs> this may not be the national game, right? I've got a loss. I can't see the Packers beating. I'd like to see, but I'm, I'm sort of... I've got a loss here. I, I'm torn on this one. I didn't want to be too much of a homer and, and have a huge win record for the Packers. I've got a loss here. But again, if the Vikings are on their heels, if, the, if they've got four or five wins, you know, they're going to be looking for a draft choice, right, uh, to replace Kirk Cousins because there's a whole bunch of stud quarterbacks coming out next year. This, this could be an easy Packer win, but right now I've got a loss. Jordan Love has three games on the road in a dome this year. I chose losses for Jordan Love in all three of those games. It's a tough situation. It's not what I hope. I could easily see any of those games going the other way, but I think the most likely situation is losing in Minnesota. 
Yeah, I feel a loss there as well. Just something about that late season, Sunday night, even though Minnesota fans are rather docile, I think that there's some just something is going to happen with it being New Year's Eve. And I think that the Packers are going to falter near the end of the season there with that game. So I am taking a loss on that one. Now, Jeff, you, you said right away 10 and 7, and I've been keeping track here. So that means that as we bookend the season and the Chicago Bears come into Green Bay to finish the season, I'm pretty sure you put a W down for this one. Your powers of deduction and reasoning, John, are stunning. Yes. Excellent. I, I do he, he, have he can a, also do math. That's really an important <laughs> thing. You know, he, he can, you know, add. No, I, I've got a win here again. I, I'm optimistic. I've got a new owner of the Bears, a guy by the name of Jordan Love, you know, transferring ownership from a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Bears... I mean, they could really be tanking here. And so I've got to win. The schedule says TBD, so I don't even know when the date is, much less the time or anything else. You know, I'll take a win at TBD at home. It doesn't matter whether the Bears are tanking or not. The Bears are going to stink, and so the Packers are going to win this game. I was going to say, Neil, you you had 8-8 eight and eight going into that game, so that's your deciding factor. Chicago puts you over 500 for the season. I am also taking the Packers over the Bears to bookend the season as well. Uh, my final record for Green Bay is 10 and 7. Jeff's got him down 10 and 7. Neil went with a 9 and 8. With that said, let's take a look at how we feel about the NFL as a whole. So taking a look at the NFC North, I have a little bit more optimism for the Detroit Lions than my friends do. So I'm taking Detroit to win the division and get the three seed. So I'm going to break this down here just real quick. Philadelphia, one seed. San Francisco, two seed. Detroit, the three seed, New Orleans getting the four seed, five seed going to Dallas, Green Bay with a 10 and seven record getting the six seed and rounding things out with the seven seed. I have the Carolina Panthers in the NFC, Jeff. We're similar here, John. So I've got Philly in the NFC East. I've got Green Bay in the NFC North. I've got New Orleans in the NFC South because I had to pick somebody. I've got San Francisco coming out of the West as the number one. And then I've got wild cards, Dallas, Detroit, and Seattle. The way that I rank these teams depends on what exactly teams have for their remaining games in the season. And so, you know, we've got this sort of setup of you play one division in your conference, you play one division in the other conference, you play the best team in the other divisions in your conference, and you play one other team at the same level in the other conference. So the conferences that you play matter a lot. And so, for example, the NFC East last year, all teams were 500 or above. The NFC South last year, all teams were 500 or below and all had a negative point differential last year. And the AFC South is Jacksonville in a big pile of shit. And so fundamentally, if you're going to be playing the NFC South or if you're going to be playing against the AFC South, you've got an advantage over every other team as far as the playoff seedings are concerned. When I look at the NFC East. The problem with the NFC East this year is that they play the AFC East and the NFC West as their two divisions. They are going to have a much tougher schedule than any other set of teams are going to have in the NFC. But there's also a difference as far as who you play for your three games that are sort of the open games. And so, for example, for the NFC North, right, we were third last year in the division. And what that means is we play the Giants, Rams, and Pittsburgh. Whereas Minnesota gets Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Cincinnati, and Detroit gets Dallas, Seattle, and Baltimore. 
there's a big difference in those three extra games between us, Minnesota, and Detroit. And I think things like that are going to be the things that make a difference at the margins. But overall, you play a South division, you're ahead of other teams. And so I've got San Francisco as the number one seed because they've got an easier schedule than those teams in the East. I think Dallas and Philadelphia may be better teams. I'd see weaknesses for San Francisco, but I think San Francisco's got an easier run. And so San Francisco's going to be the one seed. I've got Dallas as the two seed. Dallas's defense is really, really good. And last year, Dak was injured for a significant portion of the year. They've added some players as far as their offense is concerned. I like Dallas as far as winning the NFC East. I've got New Orleans winning the South. Um, part of the reason John talked about the hesitation for picking a victory over New Orleans in that home opener. And I've got Green Bay winning the North with that nine and eight record. Wild card teams, Philadelphia is the easy wild card team. And the other two teams, I think, are very marginal. I've got Detroit also being one of the wild card. And I had difficulty even picking a third wild card in the NFC and just chose Atlanta fundamentally because, again, teams in the South have a huge advantage as far as their schedule this year. If you're okay and you're in the South, you're going to have advantage over a good team in any other division. Putting all the records together, for me, it was a feast or famine kind of thing. I don't have a lot of parity. So my seven playoff teams in the NFC, I'll have 10 or more wins. I've got seven teams in the NFC with 10 or more losses. My AFC looks the same. Breaking down the AFC then, I've got Baltimore taking the number one seed. Number two, going to Cincinnati. Number three, Kansas City. I'm going to come back to the AFC South in a moment. The five seed is going to be Baltimore. The six seed, the Chargers. Seven seed, the Jets. And I'm going out on a big prediction on this one. That going into week 18, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans will be tied with 10 and 6 records. And that week 18 matchup between them is going to be the Sunday night game for the last playoff spot. It will be Jacksonville at Tennessee, and the winner will be Jacksonville, taking it with an 11-6 record, getting the four seed in the AFC. I've got uh, the AFC East. I've got the Bills. I've got the AFC North. Cincinnati, that's a tough division, man. That was like, I was going back and forth. I ended up with Cincy. AFC South, the Shaguars. AFC West, I've got Kansas City Chiefs as the number one seed. Remember the Super Bowl champions coming back. Wild cards, I've got the Jets, I've got the Steelers, and I've got the Chargers. So my analysis in the AFC is the same as in the NFC. So first of all, the AFC is much better than the NFC, but the AFC South is clearly the weakest. And in addition, if you're a team in the AFC South, like a, say a Jacksonville, you get to play the NFC South at the same time. So that's a huge advantage for teams from the South. The AFC North plays the AFC South and the NFC West. And yes, San Francisco is good, but there may be some other problems in the AFC West. So I think the AFC North teams also have an advantage. And that is why I've got Cincinnati as my number one seed coming out of the AFC. I've got Jacksonville as the number two seed, because again, they have a far easier road. That AFC East is really, really difficult. And you can make a case for all four of those teams making the playoffs. I chose Buffalo. I still think Josh Allen is the better player. Buffalo is going to be in, but only with the three seed in my view. And then the West, I think, is going to have a tough road. I think there are challenges for all of those teams in the West, not based on schedule, but because they've got clear weaknesses. And I've got the Clippers winning the West. They play Kansas City in week 18, and I've got Los Angeles Chargers against the Kansas City Chiefs going for the AFC West title and the Chargers winning that game. Wild cards, Kansas City. I've got the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to be a better team this year. And I also added the Jets as a wild card team. 
All right, so that means we have to put it on the line and make the big final, the postseason predictions here. I've got all the games broken down, but I'm just going to throw it out here. NFC Championship game, I have Philadelphia and Detroit. Philadelphia hosting that game because they're going to be the number one seed. Philadelphia taking the win. In the AFC, I've got Buffalo hosting Cincinnati with Buffalo taking the win there. I've got Philadelphia and Buffalo in the Super Bowl. And I think that uh, Philadelphia walks away with it this year. They are going to make that progression from last season. Jeff? Well, last year, John, you and I were very similar in our Super Bowl picks and our division championships. We're totally different this year. Okay? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so we're not even freaking close, right? In the NFC, I've got uh, Philly and San Francisco in the NFC Championship with San Francisco not using a fourth string or third string or God knows how many freaking quarterbacks they had to use. I've got San Francisco based on their defense. I've got them in the Super Bowl, and I've got my my son John's favorite color. It's going to be a red Super Bowl. So I've got the Jags and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game with the Chiefs prevailing. I've got KC and San Francisco in the Super Bowl with San Francisco finally bringing home another Lombardi. All right. So the NFC, I think, only has three good teams. My my prediction had four new teams in the playoffs for the NFC, and I think the playoffs are going to match that. So based on the way I had the seeds, I got Philadelphia over Green Bay, New Orleans over Detroit, and Dallas over Atlanta in the wildcard round. In the divisional round, San Francisco over Philadelphia, because I think San Francisco is just better than Philadelphia when they actually have a quarterback, and then Dallas over New Orleans. So I've got an NFC championship game of Dallas versus San Francisco, and I think Dallas makes it back to the Super Bowl because there is so much talent on that Dallas team on offense and on defense. Their defense is absolutely loaded. Their offense is very good. This is the year that despite Mike McCarthy, Dallas is going to make it back in the Super Bowl and sort of talking about Mike McCarthy. You know what Mike McCarthy is really good at? Making it to the Super Bowl when the rest of the NFC stinks. Guess what? The rest of the NFC stinks this year. Mike McCarthy goes back to the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. All right. On the AFC side, uh, I've got in the wildcard round, Buffalo over the Ravens, Jacksonville over the Jets, Uh, Aaron Rodgers suffers to Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence in the next wave. And then the Clippers beating Kansas city. I think that the Los Angeles chargers are going to make a leap this year, but I also think that Kansas city has a few too many holes, both as far as their wide receiver position, as far as their defensive line is concerned, Kansas city is going to suffer from some of those losses from essentially having too many players in the super bowl. I've got Cincinnati over Los Angeles in one of the divisional games. I've got Buffalo over Jacksonville in the other divisional game. And so I've got a Super Bowl of Buffalo against Dallas, a rematch of Super Bowls 27 and 28. This time, the Buffalo Bills get revenge and they win the Super Bowl over Dallas. Wow. All right. Pretty exciting. We've got uh, two of us have Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Neil has them winning. I have them losing. So I'm taking Philadelphia this season. Jeff's got San Francisco. So interesting. A lot of, in a, in of yeah. power, potentially, at least of the good teams, as you alluded to, Neil. There, there's a lot of not good teams. So I, I, I do worry about the NFC teams and just not being challenged against enough other games in the NFC, right? I mean, San Francisco's schedule, Dallas's schedule, it's going to be their games against the AFC that are going to provide their big challenges other than their key matches against other teams. And I think the AFC is just going to be more battle-tested. And whatever whoever comes out of the AFC, I think, is going to win the Super Bowl this year, despite strength 
strengths that Philadelphia and Dallas and San Francisco have. And as we've already stated in our opinions, the Bears are going to stink this season, okay? Uh, last year, I picked them to win two games. They won three. Hey, I'm, I actually got them down for four wins this season, but the season opener is not going to be one of them. It is Bears week, Green Bay at Chicago, and a big announcement for us. We are the official podcast of the Lot 1 tailgate party. We'll talk more about that probably next week as well, but want to let you know that you can go to a tailgate party with the Lot 1 crew this week. It starts Sunday the 10th at noon. It'll be at the North Chase Bar and Grill. That is on County Road S in Sabisky, just northwest of Green Bay, kind of near Pulaski. There's North Chase and there's South Chase. Don't go to the wrong one. It is the North Chase Bar and Grill. A Scott will be there with the Shotsky and the Packer Bar and all the music. And uh, we'll be watching the game at the North Chase Bar and Grill on Sunday. With that said, it is Bears Week. And Green Bay going to Chicago. We already, each of us, picked a win for the week. Anything else you want to add to that victory, Neil? I think the most important thing is it actually feels like a week one rather than just week four of the preseason. Uh, it's just got a different feel than Minnesota and the Saints that, you know, we've seen our starters play in the preseason. The starters have been drilled. We've seen the situational football I think that that is the biggest thing that's going to make a difference as far as the Bears. I do want to say, as far as the Bears are concerned, although they were 3-14 and 14 last year, Bill Barnwell did pick them as the most likely team to improve because they were 1-6 and six in games decided by 7 points or fewer. They had a 5.2 Pythagorean wins last year, John, not just merely the 3. And, and uh, <laughs> so Bill sees them as improving. And the other thing related to our team is they were the fifth youngest team in the NFL last year, and younger teams are more likely to improve they also added dj moore so they've got better receiving help for justin fields last year they also had the fifth toughest schedule in the nfl they will not have that this year and they had four of the top 64 draft picks so a lot of reason for optimism if you're a chicago bears fan oh wait no there's there's not because you had the worst defense in the nfl last year and dick buckus and mike singletary are rolling in their graves right now matt Averf and luke getsy we don't even have any idea if they're any good as coaches and fundamentally, Justin Fields, let's go to right to the core of Justin Fields. He only had 2,242 passing yards all last season. He had two games in which he went over 200 yards passing. The NFL is still a passing league in 2023. The Bears are not going to change that. Justin Fields was the 29th rated quarterback in the NFL last year by PFF. And by passing grades, he was the 34th rated quarterback. I'll note there are only 32 quarterbacks who start in the NFL Justin Fields was worse than all of them. 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 55 sacks of Justin Fields last year, by far the highest sack rate of any quarterback. And even if you had his 1,143 rushes, he still is only at 3,400 yards as a quarterback. That is just not good enough. Their top receiver was Cole Komet with 544 receiving yards. They had the league low of only 20 sacks last season as far as their defense is concerned. They allowed the league worst 31 rushing touchdowns last season, and they were 32nd in net passing yards per attempt, both on offense and on defense. They didn't add a lot of players. They were a bad team. They're going to remain a bad team. That is why I was so optimistic in week one and why we're all so optimistic in week one. Neil, I, I just want to make sure that we aren't breaking any news to anybody. <laughs> Mike Singletary is still alive and well. He's just not coaching anymore. All right, Jeff, how do you like this week? What Neil said. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you've got a team that has given up a shit ton of passing yards, a shit ton of rushing yards, uh, a defense that's just not good. 
you've got a run first quarterback and a Packers defense that's going to be totally keying on fields, right? I mean, he's the offense. I couldn't tell you who the running back is. I don't really care. There, there's been a few tweets out there about league leading uh, receivers in, in team history. And the Bears were dead freaking last. And the guy had a, had, it was a black and white photo, right? I don't remember the guy's name. It doesn't matter. It was a black and white photo. It was 5,500 yards or something like that of their all-time leading receiver. So this is not a good offensive team. As we've talked about, they've got they've got all kinds of issues. It's a great rivalry. I want to see the new owner of the Bears, Mr. Jordan Love, go in and just establish dominance, right? I mean, this is where the Packers, where Matt LaFleur, where the entire team can say, all right, we are going to assert ourselves on this team. This is a great team to start out with, even though it's on the road. Bears fans, I'm sorry. What are you going to do, right? You hope hey. for the best, expect the worst. And um, I think Green Bay goes in there and continues the streak of wins against a somewhat inferior Chicago team. Sure. You know, and just like, you know, Curly Lambeau and George Hallis were great friends. And I think that we are friends with our our Bear fans. Yes, and I'm sorry. Uh, hey, we, <laughs> we struggled. We struggled with some bad teams, and, and it's it's great we that. Sh- shitty in, teams in the 70s, yes, let's face right, it, right? And the, the early overall, in the 80s. Yeah, the overall head-to-head record is finally in our favor, and and hopefully we'll stay that way for a while. So we like Green Bay with a win this week. But really, the season opener leads us to Jeff, who has some great information about historical season openers, Jeff. Yes, indeed. So I kind of broke this down. So I started doing a little research on on Packers season openers. So in the Super Bowl era, the Packers are 33-23-1. And they're 10 and 7 on the road. Packers, unfortunately, have lost the last two road openers in 2022 and 2021. Matt LaFleur has never opened the season at home. So his fifth straight road game uh, to open the season. So I went back, I went all the way back to 1919. Packers are 59, 41, and 4 in season openers how how many times have they played the bears in a season opener well this will be the 25th meeting in a season opener so the prior 24 season openers against the bears the packers are 13 10 and 1 and the first season opening meeting was september 27th 1942 this is interestingly only the fifth time where the packers are opening in Chicago, though, so most of these were early in the season in Green Bay. Almost all the coaches have a winning record on opening day. Matt LaFleur is currently 2-2. Two and two. McCarthy was 9-4. and four. What really jumped out, though, Curly Lambeau, he was 28-3 and three in opening games. <laughs> Do the math, right? That's 31 opening day games. Oh my God. Again, this, going back to 1919. Packers overall have had, had pretty solid success on opening day, and hopefully that will continue this coming Sunday. The two most memorable opening days for me against the Bears were 1979 and 1980. 1979, we we're coming off that 8-7-1 season. We drafted Eddie Lee Ivory with our first round pick in the draft. And Eddie Lee Ivory goes down with a knee injury on the AstroTurf of Soldier Field. The Packers lost 6-3 in that 1979 opener. 
but we made up for it in that 1980 opener that's featured in the photo where we had the Chester Markle blocked field goal to that he ran in for a touchdown to win the game and certainly one of my favorite Packer games ever and that's true for all of us so um, some some happy memories some not so happy happy memories from opening day against the Bears well we are definitely excited for the season opener it's Bears week it's the beginning of the season yeah we're on the road but we're still going to tailgate and we are ready to go it is our third season here on the GBC podcast lots of positive things to look forward to we put our predictions out there it's recorded So we get to laugh at ourselves at the end of the season. And uh, with that, let's go around and put any final thoughts on this episode, Jeff. I'm super pumped. I'm optimistic. Like I said, I picked the Packers to win the division. Youth, the youth movement, the speed, the excitement, the players that don't know what they don't know. I think there's going to be more than once a season where I'm going to go, holy shit, I can't believe we just saw that. But you know what? (laughs) I think there's going to be a a number of times as well where we're just going to be jumping out of our chair like, oh my God, did you see that? Can you believe what just happened? 10 victories. If we're sitting here in January, like not the playoffs and, you know, drinking more heavily than we probably should, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it then. I'm very optimistic though. I think this, this team based on a number of different factors based on talent, you know, experience, we're going to see, this is going to be the litmus test. Does experience really matter or is this talent and coaching and sort of the will to win, does that really win the day in the NFL? Stay tuned. I think the thing though, is that you need the right experience at the right level. And when you look at power rankings or anything like that, you look at rankings of where every team is supposed to finish up as their final record. The Packers are basically falling in the 20th to 25th range in the NFL, while we lost Aaron Rodgers, while we've lost Alan Lazar, we've lost our tight ends, we've got such a young team. But the fact is, we did not have a good year last year, right? We did not get a lot of our wide receivers. We didn't get a lot of out of our defense. Our defense had long stretches where they were not particularly good. Alan Lazard was our top receiver last year with only 788 yards. Tanyan at 470 yards. We did not get a lot from our wide receivers last year. And it seems impossible that we're going to do as poorly this year with our wide receivers room as we did last year with our wide receivers room, just solely based on the fact that Watson and Dobbs are going to have a year more experience. They're going to be around hopefully for the entire year. We are going to have a better receiving core. Aaron Rodgers was the 17th ranked quarterback last year. I see Jordan Love is certainly capable of being at least at that level. We're going to have a more run-oriented game that's going to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon add even to what they did. And looking at the defense, I think that we're going to have less of a Jekyll and Hyde defense. And some of those numbers that we had last year were not so huge, right? So Preston Smith had eight and a half sacks, but Kenny Clark was second for sacks with us with only four. We are going to greatly eclipse those sack numbers in this upcoming season. I don't understand the lack of optimism towards the Packers for the general media audience, but I can see where the optimism is from a Packers fan who's looked at where everything is, looked where we were last year, looked at what we have, and is excited about where we're going in this upcoming season. I just want the team to be able to live up to its potential, whatever the potential may be to stay healthy enough to play to that potential. There's nothing I dislike more than having major injuries that leave you speculating on what would have, could have been. When we talk about the media, Neil, we look back even at the 2019 season, that first season that LaFleur was in here. So many people expected a six-win season that year, 
And we won 13 games. It was a magical season. It was a great season. And to the naysayers who are throwing six games out there again this year, I say, why? What exactly are you resting that on? This is a team that has a lot of potential with the youth, the speed, and the athleticism. We are looking forward to a very fun season in Green Bay. With that, we're also looking to continuing a great season on the GBC podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please hit subscribe. It is free. Leave us a comment. Find us and follow us at Green Bay Chat. That's all one word, Green Bay Chat. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Spotify. Facebook, modified a little bit, the GBC podcast, Green Bay Chat. And may you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Good night.